I just want us to be able to create and maintain inclusive spaces where people can bring their all of their identities in and not feel concerned, scared, uncomfortable that they're going to be judged, that they're not going to be welcome, or people are going to say things that are harmful. I don't like to argue, so I say nothing and fume for days. How do I set boundaries without sounding like a jerk? I hate the idea that I might accidentally offend somebody, so sometimes I'd just rather say nothing at all. Welcome to the Language Alchemy Podcast, and thank you for joining me today. This is your host, Alejandra Siroca, a transformative communication teacher and coach devoted to helping you have more peace and more harmony in all your relationships. If you've been following me for a while, you heard me say that I didn't use to communicate in the same way I do now. Some of the unconscious communication patterns I used to have were to overplease, to not know how to ask for what I needed, and to give people the silent treatment if I felt upset or offended, because I didn't really know how to have important and brave conversations that led to connection. So as many of you know, when Matthew and I got married 17 years ago and we had our first big fight, I realized that if I wanted to have a strong, deep and intimate marriage with Matthew, in which we could both grow and support one another, I needed to learn to communicate differently. And today I have the immense honor of interviewing my first communication teacher, Nancy Khan. Nancy, thank you so, so much for agreeing to be a guest at the Language Alchemy podcast. Thank you, Alejandra. It's lovely to be here and really lovely to be here with you. Likewise. Yes. And before we go into some questions, I'd like to introduce you to our listeners, if that's okay with you. Yes. Okay. So Nancy goes by the pronouns she, her, hers, and she wears many big hats. She's a consultant, a coach, a trainer, a mediator, and a facilitator leading change management processes to create equitable and inclusive organizations. But that's not all. Nancy is the founder and principal of Across Differences Institute and Consultancy. She leads DEIB, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging Consulting Projects, and is a DIB innovator with over 25 years of experience. Yes, you heard that right, 25 years of experience. Nancy coaches individuals and teams to learn and integrate liberatory communication and collaboration practices at all levels and to develop leadership and organizational systems and policies aligned with anti-racist and anti-oppression frameworks. Of course, Nancy is a skilled communicator who approaches all interactions with compassion and empathy, and I have been the recipient of so many of them. She's been an amazing teacher, coach, mentor, and model for me. 
Nancy is a partner with Compass Narratives, formerly served as the executive director and founder of Mission Dignity, a San Francisco-based organization, as well as held leadership roles with the Bay Area Nonviolent Communication, Bay NBC, from 2001 to 2016, and that's where I met Nancy. And Nancy specializes in working across differences, power, privilege, gender, race, class, culture, and religion. And if that were not enough, on Sunday nights, she co-hosts and co-produces Talk It Out Radio on KPFA, which is a 94.1 FM, and I highly recommend you check out her program. As you can tell, Nancy is a very busy person. Nancy, thank you again for being here with us. I really appreciate that wonderful introduction. Um, You know, being here to talk about communication with you, somebody who also shares the same passion for wanting to, to really be able to live in a different way with being very intentional about how we communicate, but also wanting to share practices that transform every situation, every relationship. So having you, you know, as a colleague in this work is really special. You're also so talented and so gifted and you lead with your heart and your brilliance. So thank you for having me here. Thank you for seeing me that way. And, you know, something that caught my attention when I came to your workshop, I don't know how many years ago, decades ago now, was that you were the first teacher I had who knew how important it was to share your identity as BIPOC, as a Black, Indigenous person of color. And for our listeners, in case you're wondering what that acronym stands for, I just spelled it out, Black, Indigenous person and person of color. Would you be willing to share a little bit about how you identify specifically and what do you, I don't like say when you start leading a workshop or facilitating for an organization and why that is so important? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've felt um, over all of the years that I've worked with people in different group settings um, and in different spaces, how important it is to self-identify. One, I believe that it's somebody's choice, whether or not they want to identify. But two, for myself, I identify as an African-American, cisgendered um, woman of also mixed ancestry. So another important part of my identity is I'm Jewish, I'm a Black Jew, which you don't meet that many of us, although there are many of us out there. And I also have another identity as a transracial adoptee. And these are all parts of my identity that I believe have kind of shaped how I experienced people talking about differences. From the time that I was very young, race was part of my consciousness because I was raised in a family that didn't look like me. So naming that's important. The other piece is that for some people, I can also... Uh, present as racially ambiguous. So people might not know what my background is. And I find it's very important to tell people what I am so that when communicating, especially about things that relate to my ancestry, I want people to know why I'm sharing these things and why I 
I can bring them forward when I'm not appropriating or speaking about things that don't personally relate to my history. What I'm hearing, being able to share our identity is being able to really let others in as to how our life experience has been shaped by our identity, how we relate to different experiences and how we can talk about different experiences because of our identity. That would be different if if we had a different identity, right? Yes. I've also felt that when I disclose my identity and background, it can invite other people to do the same because not everybody is actually thinking about self-identifying. But to me, I want to have my identity embraced. I also want to be authentic with people. And I've also found that because people may not always know what my background is, people have said things that were highly offensive. So for me, it's another way of establishing a sense of who's here in the room? Who are we to each other? You are creating a safe space for others so that that invitation for them to identify themselves and also a safe space for you. In my opinion, it is. Because again, even when you start talking about the construct of race, which was not something that people of color, BIPOC people developed, this was something that's been imposed on us. It can go in both directions where some people will be triggered or not comfortable with people talking about their identities or their backgrounds. I, I just want us to be able to create and maintain inclusive spaces where people can bring all of their identities in and not feel concerned, scared, uncomfortable that they're going to be judged, that they're not going to be welcome, or people are going to say things that are harmful. Wondering, what are some things that we can do, not just to create inclusive spaces, but even to be mindful that we may not be creating inclusive spaces, that we may actually be creating harmful and exclusive spaces because of the way we are communicating? I think one of the wonderful things that people can do today is to educate themselves. There's so much to learn, and we've got so much many great resources that are now available on the internet. But even beginning to look at the work of microaggressions will understand how there are things that we can say to another person that can imply you don't belong or you're not worthy of your job. Like even asking, how did you get this job to a BIPOC person could be really painful or harmful. So just learning about what are some of the things that actually really support lifting everybody up and creating inclusive spaces, dignity and respect for everyone. And what are some of the things that actually contribute to the loss of trust and to people experiencing harm when they're just, even in the innocence of trying to connect with somebody. Yes, I did a podcast episode on microaggressions recently because it's so important. I think it's 46 or 47. I don't know. We'll add it in the show notes. I want to go back to something that you said, innocently making some comments, asking some questions that create some harm. Can you give us some examples of some 
innocent language that you've heard is so common that we don't even see it's like the air that we breathe and we're not even aware we're breathing. I can tell you start out with a couple of personal ones. One personal one that I'll never forget when I was in my 20s, there was a woman I was in the gym and she asked me, what are you? And I told her that I was black. And her first response was, oh, but you're pretty. And I just, I was stunned. My heart hurt. I was just so shocked because she couldn't understand how that landed for me as if black women aren't pretty that somehow I was an exception. Oh, but you're not really Black. You don't really sound Black, as if that's a compliment. Because again, there's so much unconscious racism that people experience, unconscious bias. We have to start thinking about everything we believe. Where do we learn that? Where do Mm -hmm. we get this impression of different groups of people and the stereotypes that are so deeply conditioned into us? We They can come out of people's mouths without them even thinking anything about it. Or I remember being in a work setting and a woman walked in into this space that I was in. She asked me a question and I didn't respond quickly. I was thinking. And then she looked me up and down and she said, oh, never mind. You're not educated anyway. And again, these moments that you never forget in life when somebody is making a judgment, an evaluation, having some type of criticism about who you are or one of your identities, you know, let alone, I mean, I've ridden in cabs where people started talking about Black people bringing the neighborhood down, you know, in this neighborhood, not knowing that I was a Black woman sitting in the back seat, you know, so just listening to how people make comments, sometimes, again, they're trying to connect, they're trying to have a conversation, they're trying to talk about something that's relevant to them without understanding the harm that another person could actually be experiencing. So for me, I was very sensitive to language from the time I was little and the things that people would say unconsciously often, you know. Mm -hmm. And in the work spaces, uh, I remember somebody asking me how I had kept my tan all year round, you know. So you just never know how... You might think something is just innocuous, like it wouldn't cause harm. But there are ways that we communicate about differences that let people know there's something wrong with them. That's the implied message, or they're not good enough. And I think we have to be very mindful about that. In the workplace, a classic microaggression would be, let's just say somebody's BIPOC, and somebody would ask them, how did you get your job? Is it through affirmative action? Were they questioning or doubting that they have the credentials? Today, I hear a lot of, oh, we really have a hard time finding BIPOC talent. There's a lot of BIPOC talent out there. Most likely, you're not making connections with BIPOC people or attempting to reach out to organizations and to different groups of people instead of understanding if we're not attracting BIPOC talent, we need to kind of look at our organization and start to do a deep dive and wonder what's going on with us that we're not attracting BIPOC talent. And do we have BIPOC people on our board? Do we have staff that represent the communities we serve? Looking at every level, how is this organization staffed? 
who's at the top. There's so much work to do. But even in those conversations, they get played out over and over and over again. There's also a thing that happens that's very painful around, I'll say for BIPOC, people in the workplace being tone policed. You know, don't be too loud or you want to be nice. Lots of stereotypes about how people are behaving or communicating that let you know there's a standard of professionalism that shows up in white dominant culture. And if people are not complicit with that type of culture, then people may actually even have punitive consequences. Yes, it's so painful. And it's reminding me of, you know, with the tone policing and speaking a cert- in a certain way, using certain kind of language as an equivalent of this is accepted, this is professional, and any other deviation of that is not accepted, is not professional, and it's not intelligent, or it's criticized. Yes, and that's one of the things that I've loved when I first was introduced to nonviolent communication, it was starting to understand how domination systems exist, and how they function, and what sustains them. Any system that uses power over, whether it's a legal system, the government, you know, we look at even religious institutions, any of the law enforcement, we have to look at there's a language that was developed to be able to maintain those systems. And it's often keeping people reacting and responding from fear, because if we're scared or we're disconnected from our own needs, then we're more likely to not speak up and advocate for our needs, but we're also more likely to stay subjugated and under power over structures that exist. But you have to have a language that maintains those systems. So language of, you know, scarcity consciousness, there isn't enough for all of us, us versus them, right? Kind of thinking good versus bad, you know, so that we, again, we're separating people to language of deserve. Some people deserve when others don't. Who gets to make those decisions? It's so for me, a lot of this is it's a consciousness and it's coming back to how do I remember that we are all humans, no different than each other. We're all trying to meet needs. I don't want to be in a position where I'm evaluating other people. I want to be in a relationship where we're equals and we're trying to figure out how to be in connection, how to work together or how to meet needs without there being a cost to other people. Thank you for that, because it just distills so clearly about these two human needs that we all have of safety and connection. If we want to create inclusive spaces, spaces where we can all thrive, equitable spaces, respectful spaces, we need to constantly look at how the language and the actions that we are taking, how they are promoting safety and connection, or how they're taking away safety and connection and promoting fear, separation, and exclusion. Yeah. And and it was always shocking to me how, again, where does this come from, that we want to study somebody and then evaluate them and judge them for something that's different from us. So for me, working with differences, learning how to talk about differences, 
with sensitivity, with humility, and with a lot more curiosity, because that's why I believe it's one of the greatest ways that we can begin to create equitable, inclusive spaces by slowing down and being curious in ways that are not imposing, but to really, again, speak with sensitivity and care and ask people questions about, you know, what's important to them or tell me more about yourself. Open-ended questions that are not pointing at something or some agenda, but instead, I'd love to know more about you. Let me know who you are. There are ways to ask those questions without making assumptions that are offensive, such as, well, as Nancy as a Black woman, um, do you find that blah, blah, blah? You know, it's like, don't project your assumptions into my life. Just ask me something that's open. Mm-hmm. And also consider you as an individual with your own individual experiences at the intersection of all the different identities that, for example, you just shared at the beginning of this episode that make your life experience unique. Our identities are invisible. People may not know, so we don't want to make assumptions. And I've had to look at myself making assumptions about people. I've learned it's really better to ask somebody and to check in with somebody and to make assumptions. You know, but that's again, it's it's a skill to learn how to do that, how to really catch ourselves when we have stories, because we are human beings that are constantly trying to make sense and make meaning of what's happening around us. So we're constantly making up stories. And I've caught myself in moments creating these entire stories because one piece in my field of vision changed. You know, well, how did that get there? Who must have moved that? You know, I've made up a whole story. And none of it was accurate. So I love also reminding myself not to trust my interpretations, not to trust my stories. Okay, notice that I perceive something. What's the observation? But don't trust all the other stuff that we make up. I love that. Well, Nancy, I know that you and I could talk for weeks and weeks. There's so much wisdom you shared here that I'd like to give our listeners the space to consider what you've generously offered. So we will continue this conversation next week. Thank you so much, Nancy. I love talking to you, my first communication teacher, especially as the Language Alchemy podcast is approaching its first year anniversary in the month of July. And by the way, we're having a Zoom party and I'm inviting all of you. At this first year anniversary party, I'll be giving away some exciting communication gifts, including a one-hour communication coaching session with me. You can find information and sign up for the party at languagealchemy.com forward slash podcast anniversary. Also, I'm going to include all the links in the show notes where you can find more information about Nancy and her radio program. Thank you so much for listening, and a special thanks to my clients Farzana, Rachel, and Cindy for building an inclusive work environment. We'll continue this conversation next week, and as we say in Argentina, ciao ciao! Original music by Gary Lapal. You can find all links in the show notes at languagealchemy.com.